Up next, Rob Smith is problematic, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. It seems like all we do is talk about critical race theory, but what exactly is it? I'll tell you what it is. It's a dangerous, destructive, and divisive way to keep black people seeing themselves as permanent victims in this country, and it's got to be stopped. This is Rob Smith is Problematic. Today, you know, and, and just like today, just like all the past couple of weeks, the past couple of months, it seems like all we are talking about, it seems like all of America is talking about critical race theory. This is the statement. This is what is on everyone's tongues right now. It is on the right. It is on the left. It is um, in, in these viral school board moments that keep on happening every single day. So critical race theory is something that everyone is talking about. But what exactly is critical race theory? So nobody really seems to know, right? People seem to be defining it and, and redefining it in whichever way they see fit. Um, so now what it is is being obfuscated and changed virtually every single day. So I'm going to tell you what um, my understanding of critical race theory is, and, and I really want to talk a little bit about this. So um, I do, you know, news hits a lot. So I do, you know, Fox News, you know, uh, Fox and Friends. I, I've done Tucker. Like, I've done it all, right? So a couple of weeks ago, I think it was about a month ago, um, uh, my good friend Pete Hegseth was, was uh, guest hosting Fox News Primetime. They have some uh revolving rotating guests for that and he wanted me to come on as a military member i'm I'm a military veteran as well uh served five years in the u.s army uh deployed to the middle east deployed to kuwait deployed to iraq did the whole thing and he wanted to have me on as a veteran and he wanted to talk about sort of like this push for critical race theory um in terms of what they are actually pushing on our soldiers nowadays because now they get um they they get reading assigned to them from ibram x kendi who's the guy that wrote how to be an anti-race Right. That's critical race theory. So all of this stuff was sort of infiltrating the military. And that was part of the conversation. So I said, okay, before I do this segment, let me find out and let me just really dig into what critical race theory really is. Okay. And and so this is what I found. And this is the way that I've been able to define what critical race theory is for myself. So uh, way back in the day. So this is something that started off in New York University back in the 70s. And this was a legal thing. And so this was where legal scholars were actually trying to figure out um, the ways in which some actual policies in America, in this country, were, were racist, were um, detrimental to the rights of African-Americans specifically, but also, you know, other other minorities. And, and so that was where it started from. And that actually led the, led the way to a lot of different reforms that we've seen. These are things that all Americans that I that I think um, would agree are great. These led to things like criminal justice reforms. This led to things like um, the, the stopping of redlining. You know, there were there was rules where um, African-Americans weren't allowed to buy houses in certain neighborhoods, segregation, like all of that other stuff. Um, and, and so this was what critical race theory is all about. So we have to be very clear that a lot of the stuff that we're talking about right now is not necessarily critical race theory from a legal perspective, right? Because critical race theory from legal legal perspective is something that started off in the 70s and all that stuff. It's no longer really needed. So when we talk about critical race theory right now, um, this is basically um, when the left takes a hold of something, right? Um, we've seen leftism take over pretty much every single um, every single cause. 
that was supposed to advocate for different groups. We've seen leftism take over the feminist movement. We've seen leftism completely take over um, the the movement for for gays and rights, uh, gays and uh, lesbian rights in America, which has become something completely crazy and not what anybody you know was 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 thinking about, right? Uh, and so what we're seeing right now is leftism completely taking over what that used to be in the past. So now the critical race theory that we're seeing now is basically doing nothing but teaching. And when I say teaching, because this stuff is happening in schools now, this is teaching um, white kids that they are oppressors and that they should hate themselves for being white. And it is teaching black kids that they are nothing more than victims in this world, victims of racism, victims of white people, victims of America, right? And so what this all boils down to and the point and the reason behind all of this stuff is to make African Americans in this country feel that this country is fundamentally racist, that this country has nothing for them. And and I'm African American too, by the way. If you guys didn't know uh, that about me, I'm a black man. So I'm speaking through. I'm speaking about all of this stuff through. Um, I know what the left wants to do to African Americans. I came out as conservative as a conservative black man. Um, a couple of years back because the light had just shown on my face that the switch was flipped, and now I got it. Um, that was my red pill moment when I saw um, how Democrats and the left want to control me um, just because I'm African-American and, and they, they feel entitled to my votes, but they don't feel like they have to do anything for that vote. They just have to convince me that I am a victim of racism and that I, there's nothing that I can do for myself to better myself in this country because America is so fundamentally racist. And that is what critical race theory is right now. So where it started off. As legal scholars really wanted to see if there was any real racism embedded into the actual laws um, and actual laws that said that black people could buy buy houses in this property or all of that stuff. Um, and they figured that out. But now this is becoming something else. And what this is becoming um, is a far left ideology that they have taken a hold of this, because, like I said, they need black Americans to believe that America is a fundamentally, systematically racist country that only voting for Democrats and only continuing to vote for Democrats can save them from. So that is where critical race theory is right now. And so there is a movement on the left to sort of conflate um, critical race theory with the teaching of African American history. And they will say that, um, conservatives and Republicans that are against critical race theory do not want the, uh, America's history of slavery to be taught in schools. That is absolutely false. What proponents of critical race theory want is to divide America, right? They want to divide black people and white people because the left's overall goal is to slice and dice. They think that if they can divide people and if they can slice and dice them into these groups, these groups, these groups, they get smaller and smaller every single day. Um, they think that they can have a, a sort of Frankenstein coalition that will continue to help them win elections. And now that we're seeing right now, what we are seeing is this. We are seeing that these groups are infighting with each other and this is a lot of, of what you're seeing with a lot of this critical race theory so critical race theory as it is being taught in these schools basically says that it says that america is fundamentally systematically racist and only democrats can save black americans from this awful racist horrible oppressive um america but what's going on right now and what i i find totally fascinating is that 
Americans are are standing up against this. And this is not just um, white conservative Americans. This is black Americans. And it's not even just black conservative Americans. These are black liberals, okay, Um, some of these people. And I want you to listen to this is a clip uh, that is going viral of uh, this is a black father basically blasting uh, this critical race theory that's in the schools. And he is blasting it because it is based on this idea that we have to make African-Americans in this country feel like they are oppressed victims at all times. Go ahead and uh, play clip 18. When you talk about critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other. That's pretty much what it's going to, that's pretty much, I don't care what you say, it's pretty much what it's going to all come down to. You're going to deliberately teach kids, this white kid right here got it better than you because he white? You're going to purposely tell a white kid, oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? How do I get, first of all, sign up, because I only got five minutes now, not five minutes. Two medical degrees, no mom, no dad in the house, work my way through college, sat there and hustled my butt off to get through college. You're going to tell me somebody that looked like all y'all white folks kept me from doing that? Are you serious? Not one white person ever came to me and said, well, son, you're never going to be able to get nowhere because you know the black people. But guess what? What's sickening about this whole thing is what y'all doing right now is already something I do in my community right now to speak out against stuff because black folks are getting told by other black folks, oh, you know you ain't going to be able to do nothing out there in the world because them white folks ain't going to let you get no. Oh, you know you're not going to be able to do it here because you know, white, the, the white man, the white man going to keep you down. Well, how did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What, what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You gonna sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Of this, this, this the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we even talking about this right now. And so this is brilliant. This is brilliant because this man is pretty much breaking down all of the stuff, all of the crap, all of the filth, um, that critical race theory is and all of the, the stuff that, that it is, you know, purporting to quote unquote teach African Americans. And it was really interesting to me. So this is a clip. This clip went totally viral and I'm talking about millions of views on social media. And so when, when this stuff happens, I'm always asking myself, so how is the black left responding to this, right? So this man in this clip, you know, he talked about, uh, having, having two medical degrees. And I remember, there is one of these far left, uh, black liberals that, that I follow. And, you know, they're, you know, they're the PhDs and, and they write for this website. These people have never actually really done anything. They're just, they're just academics and pseudo intellectuals that tweet, um, and, and write articles that nobody listens to all day. And then they write their books and then they talk and, you know, this is what they do. And so one of these guys, I think he was a writer for the Grio and he said, um, well, yeah, these two medical degrees, like he's not a doctor. He's probably just like a licensed EMT or something like that because no real doctor would talk about that. And that speaks to the elitism that comes from this sort of black liberal chattering class when they talk about stuff like this. So they can't really break down anything that he's saying because they know that what he's saying is absolutely true. They know that critical race theory is nothing uh, about nothing else uh, more than making black people feel like they're victims because the black people feel victimized and they feel like they cannot make it in this country, they will vote for Democrats. They will vote for big government welfare state Democrats. That is what they do. And so that is the entire point behind this. And I'm going to tell you, they're lackeys in the media, right? So these big government 
corporate, like welfare from cradle to grave, these big government liberals know that the only thing that they need to do is they need to disseminate their message through these lackeys in the media who have bought into this full hook, line, and sinker. And right after the break, I'm going to, you know, we're going to break down one of these uh, black liberal media lackeys and how is she, how she's kind of pushing this critical race theory thing right after the break. So now that we have a idea of what critical race theory is, and at least my take on this, it seems like critical race theory seems like everybody has a different take on critical race theory based on whatever their agenda is. So like I said before, um, critical race theory is now the tool of these um, big government, you know, endless government spending um cradle to grave welfare state democrats this is what they're now trying to push and like i said when they are trying to push something when they are trying to push something that aligns with um their political agenda they find their lackeys in the media to sort of do their bidding like this is what this is all about this is just what they do so now they have gotten joy reed over on msnbc who who presides over um a very little watch show it's called the readout on msnbc it doesn't matter who does or does not watch that show it'll be on forever because they know the optics if they ever um got canceled this show or transition out or whatever joy reed they know that she would just say that it was because she was black so she'll be in that show forever but anyway so she is now one of the ones that is pushing you know this critical race theory idea she's trying to to they're they're now in the point, because this has become such a big deal, they're now trying to meld um, critical race theory, and they're trying to pretend that speaking of critical race theory, speaking of, of black American history, which is absolutely false, these two things are not the same thing. But this is a tactic that they're doing right now. So there is a man named Chris Rufo who's become one of the biggest um, anti-critical race theory advocates. There's really nobody uh, that can really speak on this issue as L as he can because he knows about it. So this is a, a man who's a, a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute and a contributor to the Manhattan Institute's magazine called The City Journal. He's become very, very big um, over the past, I would say, three to four months because critical race theory and, and debunking this stuff and getting it out of the school systems, this is what he does. Anyway, he had a little Twitter back and forth with, with Joy Reid. Um, and this ended up uh, having her inviting him on his show. And I just want you to listen to this clip. This is uh, Chris Rufo with Joy Reid um, on the show. Play uh, clip number two. Thank you. Okay, so let's let's start out and do the elephant in the room. So so when you and I started off on a little bit of a Twitter beef, um, I talked about you. I quoted you um, in an article um, that one of our uh, great journalists here uh, at NBC had quoted you in a piece, and I quoted that on TV. Uh, and then you tweeted um, that you wanted to come on the show and said, you know, I didn't have the courage to put you on. Now I will just note that Twitter is a for as a hyperbole zone. So you know, I it, whatever, it's all water under the bridge. But I just want to just get to a, a couple of little factual things. Why would I need courage to have you on? Are you like an expert in, you know, race or racial history? Are you a lawyer? Are you a legal scholar? Uh, is that part of your background? Uh, yeah, I'm a senior fellow at the Manhattan Institute, uh, where I'm running their initiative on critical race theory. And uh, the reason that I reached out on Twitter to you, and I appreciate you having me on, I enjoy this sure. kind of cross-partisan dialogue. But the reason is not just because you were attacking me on air, which I think is fine. It's politics. Well, wait, That's fair one game. second. Just, I'm but, sorry. I wasn't attacking. I was reading your quote. So that's what I did. I read your Sure, quote. but you were reading it with the framing, calling me a political operative, which I'm not. I'm actually a think tank scholar. But uh -huh. 
let's put all that aside. The, the problem that I have is that you've really spread uh, four, I think, key false pieces of information about critical race theory. Okay. You've claimed in recent weeks that critical race theory isn't being taught in schools. Mm-hmm. You've claimed that most American public school students learn what you call Confederate race theory and are taught that slavery was, quote, not so bad. You've claimed that state legislation will prevent schools from teaching about the history of racism. And finally, you've claimed that critical race theory isn't rooted in the philosophical tradition of Marxism. Uh, and I think that all four of those claims are wrong. And so, you know, this is very important. And, and it's very important that we have people that can speak as intelligently to this because what people don't realize is that what this is about. And it's so funny that it is no mistake that now over the past year when, you know, the COVID shutdowns and I'll get into the COVID shutdowns later, but it is no mistake that now that the the COVID shutdowns have pretty much shut down these, these public schools. And so these schools have all went virtual, right? So it has brought a lot of the things that your kids have been taught in schools has brought a lot of this stuff to the forefront because now uh, all of these viral clips are coming on people, you know, what these teachers are saying during Zoom classes. There's this teacher in Portland um, that, you know, she was in some school board meeting and she said, if you don't teach critical race theory, if you don't teach this stuff, then you're going to be obsolete. Basically, we're going to get rid of you. This is, she's talking to other teachers. And so all of the things that your children have been being taught over the past, God knows, probably at least probably the past decade. Now this stuff is all out in the open because now it's been all virtual. And now uh, I'm, co- I'm, I'm pretty sure that they cannot wait, um, to reopen these schools back again. So now they can get to, they can get back to indoctrinating your children in secret. But the biggest issue with this and, and what I like how he broke all of this stuff down is that, like I said before, critical race theory is not the teaching of African-American history. Um, that is not what's going on. And so Joy Reid, like I said, she is a media lackey that is being used by the left to push this idea that critical race theory and black history are one and the same. Like I said, um, they are not. And good for, you know, Chris Rufo for really sort of like breaking down, um, these four key falsehoods because this is what the left is going to do nowadays this is what um now that they have all the power in the world right so these people have the house they have the senate and they have the presidency and things are still falling apart in in multiple different ways and i will get into that a little bit later in the show but now our talk our discourse and what they need the discourse to be is all racism all the time. They've got somebody in the White House that barely knows where he is half the time. They're not getting anything done. They're doing nothing but spending money. They have completely, um, you know, let our cities fall to crime. And I will get into that a little bit later. So when Democrats are failing, when they are either out of power or when they are back in power and they are continuing to fail in that power, they need for the national conversation to be about race, racism and race all the time. This is how they keep upwards of 87 percent of African-Americans voting for Democrats. Up next, I'm going to break down critical race theory with someone who knows all about it and is actually doing something about it after the break. I'm pleased to welcome my guest, Ryan Gerdusky. He is founder of the 1776 Project PAC, which is dedicated to electing school board members who oppose critical race theory. And he's got a new book that is out right now. It is called They're Not Listening, How the Elites Created the National Populist Revolution. Ryan, thank you so much for joining me on Newt's World. 
Thanks for having me, Rob. Absolutely. So if you don't mind, and if uh, some of the listeners follow me or if they watch any of my stuff, I, I guest hosted um, for a show uh, for uh, Jesse Kelly on another network uh, last week, and I had you in. And what you did was you explained critical race theory to me in a way that really broke it down and simplified it. So I would like you to do that again. So I would like you to explain to us exactly what critical race theory is. So critical race theory is a political theory and social theory started in the 1970s. And what it does is it reanalyzes the relationship between race and power. And there's three main tenets to critical race theory uh, that all critical race theorists really believe in. One is that non-whites under, undergo and, and suffer through uh, racism on a daily basis, that whites, regardless of their economic status, all benefit from racism and that the institutions created all uh, either reflect or, or reflect some kind of racist value or are created inherently to keep non-whites oppressed. That's the basic tenets of critical race theory. How it's being applied is a little different in every school district that it's being applied in, but that's the main points uh, of critical race theory. <clears throat> so that's, uh, that's very interesting. And so, you know, you're, um, your goal is to kind of like get this out of the school boards. And so I just wanted to talk about some of the more outrageous examples of critical race theory that are in schools today. And by the way, new listeners, um, I'm black. I'm a black American. I'm very much against critical race theory. Um, there's a lot of viral Twitter videos that are going on right now with a lot of uh, black parents right all across the country that are speaking out against this. Um, so I don't even believe that it's a left-right issue. I believe that it's an issue about either you think you're a victim or you think that you're not a victim. And the left um, is very, very insistent on treating black Americans like victims. So what are some of the more outrageous examples of critical race theory in schools today? So in Cupertino, California, an elementary school forced first graders, these are first graders, mind you, to deconstruct their racial and sexual identities and rank themselves according to their, quote, power and privilege. In Springfield, a middle school forced teachers to locate themselves on an oppression matrix. matrix. And this was based on the idea that straight, white, English-speaking Christian males are members of the oppressor class and must atone for their privileged and, quote, covert white supremacy. In Seattle, the school district told white teachers that they are guilty of, quote, spirit murder against black children and must, quote, bankrupt their privilege and acknowledgement of their thieved inheritance. So this is what's going on in schools across the country. And this is why so many parents are rising up against this. And, and I will say for me. When you talk about the education system, when you talk about schools, what is being taught, the first question is, how does this help teach kids? And it, this obviously does not help teach kids. And a lot of these schools, especially public schools all across the country, um, there are kids that are performing well below grade level in reading, math, the basics of what they should be learning. So... Ryan, the 1619 Project is being taught in 3,500 classrooms across the country. You have spoken out about, about against this as being historically inaccurate. So I want to talk, I want you to talk about the 1619 Project and why it is so dangerous to teach children this. 
1619 Project was an essay in the New York Times Magazine a few months ago, and it immediately got a lot of fanfare, won a Pulitzer Prize, uh, and was started being adopted into the school curriculum program across the country in elementary and high schools. And it's, it, it is basically factual inaccurate. I mean, one of the most glaring inaccuracies in the 1619 Project was the idea that uh, the American Revolution was fought over slavery. The idea that the British wanted to get rid of slavery, the American colonists didn't, and so we fought a revolution over it. That just didn't happen. There's there's no facts to back that up. It's completely inaccurate. Uh, the British did get rid of slavery before America, but it was decades after the revolution, um, and it was a few decades before us, but not not, I mean, we, it was further from our revolution than it was from our civil war. Uh, it, it's just, it's just a, a complete inaccuracy. Another one is that capitalism was created specifically uh, to uh, promote slavery and, and indentured servitude. Um, that's also factually accurate. Actually, slaves uh, overall performed at a at a, at a lower. Um, at a, at a lower rate than than free men than free black and white Americans, they oftentimes produced at a faster rate because they had the incentive that they were getting paid. Um, it was it's it's just full of inaccuracies, and it's not just from me. Major historians have also lashed out, saying that it's just not true. Most of the most of the sixteen nineteen project, and it is just a tentacle of critical race theory. Uh, there's just no reason to teach it because it it just. It's filled with lies, and it's, it is part of critical race theory, and you could read this in Richard Delgado's book, uh, which is an introduction to critical race theory. Critical race theory is inherently activism. It, it is an activist organization to try and change the way political power is structured. It is not done to create a real, more accurate telling of history. Um, and, and that's, and that's just a major one of what two of the most major flaws in the essay series. And I think that that's a really good point that you made because now, and, um, you know, I was, had been talking about this, um, on my podcast, Rob Smith, Rob Smith is problematic as well. Um, but we've been talking a lot about, there is this sort of rush by the left to say that critical race theory is the study of, uh, black history, African American history, or just American history itself. Um, and there's a rush to say that when conservatives and, and, and certain people are coming up with these, these sort of bans on critical race theory in the classroom, right? That they, that these people are saying, and, and in my mind, I'm always thinking about Joy Reid on MSNBC. She's so hysterical about this. Like, she's hysterical about this. And she wants to say, well, Republicans don't think that slavery should be taught in schools. And Republicans don't want this part of American history being taught. And it's ridiculous because this is just, it, it, this is, this is, like you said, this is activism. And I want to read you something. So this is from the American Bar Association's a critical, excuse me, a lesson on critical race theory. And this is what they say about CRT. CRT is not a diversity, diversity and inclusion training, but a practice of interrogating the role of race and racism in society that emerged in the legal academy and spread to other fields of scholarship. Crenshaw, who coined the term CRT, this is a Kimberly Crenshaw was one of the, the, you know, people that came out with intersectionality, all this stuff notes that CRT is not a noun, but a verb. Uh, and, and this is important. It cannot be confined to a static and narrow definition, but is considered to be an evolving and malleable practice. 
And that is very interesting to me because when I see the left's freak out over this and the left's freak out over the fact that people are actually starting to stand up and say, this is not right, black people, white people, et cetera, um, they always say, well, that's not real CRT. And they talk about, and I've seen Joy Reid do this. She'll talk uh, about Robin DiAngelo, who authored a book called White Fragility. I think that she's just a white liberal grifter that's grifting on white guilt, uh, white liberal guilt. And uh, Ibram X. Kendi, who wrote this book, How to Be an Anti-Racist, and people like Joy Reid will swear up and down that this is not critical race theory, right? Uh, so, so this doesn't make any sense. And so I want to ask you, um, Ryan, why do people think that this is something that is positive and necessary to be taught in schools? Well, I think that it's to restructure and reorganize the way our system works. At the at the heart of critical race theory is the idea that Western civilization, the outgrowth of Western civilization, people who came from Europe, all of those main main ideas that they brought with them in the post Enlightenment um, Europe um, are wrong. They they explicitly sit there and talk about, and you could read this once again in Richard Delgado's book, with introduction, that the idea of judicial blindness is wrong. The idea of capitalism is wrong. Um, uh, they don't believe in a necessary, in, in the institutions the way they are. And the way to upend these institutions, as, as Marx tried to do many, many times, um, was through class, class consciousness. Now it's being done through race consciousness. This is, this is simple Marx Marxism, um, uh, you know, and it's not, it's funny because they don't talk about Marx specifically, but they talk about people who were clearly influenced by Marx from Foucault to uh, Gramsci, um, forward, uh, onward and onward. And, and using, uh, using these neo-Marxists or these post-Marxists who all got their influence from Marx um, is a way for them to have Marxism without Marx. It's it's very weird, weird thing. It's the way that establishment Republicans always want to have Trumpism without Trump, which is basically rural white working class voters without having to actually deal with any of the promises Trump made uh, or his personality or anything like that or his tweets. This is what they want to do with Marx and with critical race theory. They want to have CRT. They want to have Marx. They want to have their revolution. They've always wanted, uh, but they don't actually want to have the attachment and the negative attachment with I, the, with both Marx and CRT. And I think people are becoming much smarter to the idea that um, even though something is not is not uh, Robert D'Angelo or Ibram Kendi are not explicit. Um, uh, you know, critical race theorists, the foundation of everything they teach is based on critical race theory. Um, so it's like sitting there and saying, and I, I wrote this in my media article, it is like saying you've given up soda and now you're drinking orange crush. It doesn't make it a fruit because you have the word orange in it. It is, but that is exactly what they're trying to sit there and sell people on it. This is not critical race theory, so you don't understand it. Well, it is a critical, it is foundationally critical race theory, and because of that, it is it is both intersectionality and critical race theory. Absolutely. And um, before we go, when we talk about Ibram X. Kendi, can we just start calling him Henry, Henry Rogers, which is his real name, by the way? I wanted to say his real name, but no one would know it. But yes, that is his real name. He made his name. To our listeners, his real name is Henry Rogers. <laughs> and to me, and it's so funny, to me as, as a black American, the, the people that are always the most hardcore about this sort of anti, like all of this stuff, and even the Joy Reads of the world as well, they all come from wealthy backgrounds. They all are very highly educated. They all come from privileged elite backgrounds. 
And that is the thing that that kills me the most about all of this stuff. So we're going to take a break. But when we come back, I want to talk to you about how critical race theory is different from civil rights movement um, in the teachings of Martin Luther King Jr. So we're going to hit that up right after the break. All right, welcome back to Newt's World. I am your guest host, Rob Smith, host of the Rob Smith is Problematic podcast. If you like what you're hearing today, you can download that at iHeart uh, Radio, iHeart Radio podcast, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. So we are talking about critical race theory, and I'm breaking this down with Ryan Gerdusky, who founded the 1776 Project PAC, which is dedicated to electing school board members who oppose critical race theory. Now, before the break, we said that we were going to talk about a little bit about how critical race theory is different from the civil rights movement and different from the teachings of Martin Luther King Jr. Um, and I should say very different from just the teaching of black American history, African American history, right? So critical race theory or anti-racism should not be confused with the civil rights movement, um, MLK Jr., any form of tolerance, um, any sort of African American history. Okay. Um, they believe this is, this is critical race theories, theorists. This is what they believe. They believe that we need to undo the cornerstones of American society, including classical liberalism, legal reasoning, and capitalism, in order to promote their version of cultural Marxism based on race rather than class. And Ryan uh, talked about this beautifully in the last segment. Um, they want Marxism without Marx. And from my perspective, they are preying on what I like to call the identitarians. There are the identitarians of the left who are completely, completely and utterly obsessed with race race at every turn, either a race or any other identities. They are, they are obsessed with their blackness. They are obsessed with being Latino. They are obsessed with being immigrants. They obsessed with being gay. Anything that they can do to create an entire mind frame and view of the world based on identity. These are what I call the identitarians. These are the people that are being manipulated by the Marxists of the left right now. So, these people and, and these CRT people believe that every aspect and every fabric of American society is based on race. Every factor of inequality is socially constructed exclusively based on the topic of race. So all differences between the races were created with the sole purpose of disadvantaging non-white people. Ryan, am I getting this right? Yes, that's exactly what it is. And that's why critical race theory isn't just about trying to change U.S. history, but abolishing things like advanced math and science, which overwhelmingly favors Asian Americans. I mean, they just excel in them. So because we are not exactly proportional to the population, then therefore um, we have to abolish anything that creates inequalities. Or what some schools have even proposed, the idea of accepting wrong answers as being correct. I mean, it is literally insane what they want to do in the name of equity and, and, and which is different than equality. And that is the craziest thing to me because it is literally, and you know, you'll hear a lot of black conservatives talk about this. This is the soft bigotry of low expectations. So I'm infuriated when I read this stuff where they're talking about like math is racist and, and reading is racist. And there's even something that like somebody said being on time is a white supremacist construct. So this is all completely insane, right? Um, and, and if you and I've referenced this a lot over the past couple of weeks when talking about this stuff. I was at an event for Turning Point USA a couple of weeks ago. Um, Candace Owens was our keynote speaker, and she brilliantly sort of uh, drew the direct line 
between um, the, this stuff in the schools and the left's desire to turn out nothing but angry little victims out of these schools. They want them to get angry in elementary school so they can be angry in middle school, so they can be angry in high school, so they can go get indoctrinated um, in undergrad, and then they can turn out to be angry Democrat voters. Right. And also the fact that they want them to believe certain things as fact. The idea what critical race theory is doing in a lot of our schools is they're instructing teachers and, and, and professors to accept the ideas that um, things like systemic racism is a fact. It's not a question. It's like the earth is round and, you know, there's 365 days a year. These are facts, and so is systemic racism. So they learn in an early age, and teachers learn through things like equity training or anti-racism training how to incorporate these the ideas as the go-to facts, and we don't, and 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 the world then is built around these facts. Yeah, and that is, I, I feel like that's dangerous and that's scary because, look, you know, I'll, I'll speak from the perspective of somebody that used to be on the left, and and I, I was very malleable to to all of this messaging. And when you create a, a generation, and when we're talking about millions of of black people, Latino people, Asians, et cetera, in this country, when you just create the idea that the the when you push the, the idea that the world is fundamentally racist and America is funda- fundamentally racist as a fact, and you put this into people's minds, it does something with your with your mental state. Literally, you will walk through the world, think that every perceived slight, everything that you don't get, everything is based on racism. Um, and I think that that, for me, is something that's fundamentally damaging to America and to Americans of, of all colors, because either you have the black people that are taking this message on hook line and sinker and they're becoming angry um and then you kind of have this, these sort of like mealy mild mouth sort of like weak white liberals who are always running around apologizing um for being white because they actually feel in their bones um that they are smarter and superior to black people so that they need to always apologize and they need to say well the, the world is so racist and, and this is the reason why you can't succeed and then they will lead to the things that you said before like saying wrong answers are right it, it, so this stuff is is ridiculous. And I, I want to talk a little bit about, you did an article for, uh, for Mediaite, and this is what you wrote in your, your opinion piece. You wrote that abolishing critical race theory in public schools is a winning issue for conservatives in the culture war. So this culture war between conservatives and, and liberals, what do you think this culture war is over? I think the culture war for White liberals is basically how to um, energize and to aggravate uh, non-whites, especially blacks and Latinos, into believing that it's not enough to elect a Democrat. We had our first black president. Equality didn't get better. Inequalities didn't get better. Um, we we had something much different under Trump where qualities were actually getting slightly better for working class people. But we've had many different cycles of electing leftists, of electing right-wingers, of electing now a black president, of electing a black female uh, vice president. And um, there's true societal issues and true societal problems. And the mass diversity of America, the changing demography of America is not making a lot of those problems go away. And I think that the sell that people have had for 30 or 40 years is, oh, wait till whites are no longer the majority. Things will get better. And they haven't. 
And so now the problem isn't the isn't the party in office or the president in office or um, you know the, the demography of the country. Now it's the country itself. Now it's the institutions itself. Now everything needs to be broken down and changed and rebuilt in order for them to kind of get their way. And if you look at the most, especially since the George Floyd riots, uh, the number one institution on their target is the police. And in every one of these left wing cities where the police have been marginalized and have been really deconstructed in many ways, you've seen the number of young black men, especially the, their, the body bags build. You've seen more of their deaths now than you did in the previous 10 years when it was so called, you know, supposedly even more racist or even supposedly even more anti-black or, an, or more pro-white supremacy or more pro-whiteness, whatever you want to have, whatever terminology you want to adopt to it. Um, so that's the, I mean, at the end of the day, that's what they're trying to sit there and sell is that, uh, yes, we, you've given us all these election victories, you've given us all these liberal judges, you've given us all these things. And yes, it's not working out for you. But the real problem is, is because we just weren't looking far enough. Now we need to de- de- uh, deconstruct the entire um, de- liberal system, small L liberalism. Yeah, that's um, and, and that's very interesting that you bring that up uh, because I've noticed, and like I said, I've been talking about this stuff a lot. I've been doing a lot of a lot of running my mouth <laughs> on podcasts and radio <laughs> and all that. This week, yeah, me? No, are you kidding me? No, so, but there is this 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 push, right? Um, that we've seen coming from the left, and it's a hardcore push. And so this push is to deny um the the gains and in, in the new people that have sort of like come around to being conservatives or Republicans, right? People like myself, black American, um, lots of black people, lots of Latino people, um, like gay, the gay vote, I guess, went up to like 30% or, or something like that in the past election. So things are switching right now. There's a shift that is going on. And there is a fundamental need among people on the left to sort of deny the existence of that shift and to frame every single thing around race. And I think that that is the some of the root of what this is all about. Go ahead. Well, Rob, look, if you look at it like this, look in the last 30 years. I mean, since you and I were young children, the number of black men incarcerated is down significantly. The, the a black woman, this is a New York Times, uh, I forget, economist who said that first one, but it was a New York Times economist, found that black women born in the same economic class actually outperform now white women. You have uh, black female graduation rates surpassing most other races except for, I believe, Asian and white women. Um, you have, you know, you have a, a black homeownership up. Life is getting a lot better, and you need to make people angry. You need to keep people in a frenzy, and this is how they're keeping people angry and in a frenzy. There was one study done that Zach Goldberg, uh, who's I think from the University of Georgia, pushed out that found that black people now believe that the country is more unequal than they did in 1963. It's just not true, but perception becomes reality because this is what the media has pushed constantly and now they're trying to get it in children's brains from an early age so that way they don't even they never grow up questioning it yeah that is really interesting and it's a good segue into the next part of our conversation because i want to talk about the media's role in this and and i think that for me like i said before you know when i was a liberal before and i i make it a a point of mine i feel like if i'm doing this i need to be reading and i need to also be exposing myself to media that comes from the left and the right correct so i watch i mean i really do god i watch joy reed show so you don't have to i do i like watch two episodes a week i really do because i want to see what 
what the conversation is and I want to see what they are talking about. And when I watch this stuff, it is nothing but race, 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 race all the time. And I always pick on Joy Reid because she is just um, such an, an example. Like she is just such the pinnacle of what this is. So this is somebody that's, by the way, non, non American. Um, she's the, the child of two, I believe, Jamaican immigrant parents, but very highly educated. Harvard, the whole thing, like sits on a desk in MSNBC making God knows amount of money a year, but yet their entire lives are about being oppressed. And it's about this oppression that they have to sell to young black people in this country. So you will have people, and it drives me nuts, um, actors, Hollywood actors, actresses, um, the most wealthy, famous, powerful, and privileged people in the entire world. Look at Meghan Markle. Look at, you know, Michelle Obama. I mean, these are the most privileged and powerful black people in the entire world, and they will talk about how um, oppressed they are. This is insane. But so you recently wrote an article that was called The Media is Gaslighting America on Critical Race Theory. And I just want to, you know, these are a couple of quotes from MSNBC and CNN are favorite. This is Zerlina Maxwell on MSNBC. Um, Let's make it completely clear at the top of this interview that critical race theory is not taught before law school. That law school, that's a lie. Um, Natasha Alford, who is an analyst on CNN, these are both black women. Juneteenth is elevated at the time when the truth is under attack in America. Lies about the so-called dangers of critical race theory have spurred legislation against teaching what is normally taught in law schools. The 1619 Project has grown up politicians throw tantrums worse than the children who they don't want reading it. What is the media's goal in all of this? You know, if you see, you could look at, and, and I wrote this in my book, I show this in my book, and, uh, and they're not listening, the number of times the media used terms like whiteness and used, um, and used intersectionality and used, uh, you know, these hyperbolic terms exploded around the year 2012, 2011, um, right before Ferguson. Um, and uh, what is their goal? Their goal is to introduce it as regular language for people so that they understand it, they believe it, and they can sit there and, and uh, use that as general practitioner. You know, there was a time not too long ago in this country where it was fashionable to be a liberal. Now it's not fashionable to be a liberal. It's fashionable to be a progressive, not just a progressive, but to be a woke progressive. Um and and the way that they they're operating their standard operating procedure is to sit there and incorporate as many of these phrases and as many of these beliefs um, so that they understand that not only do, not only is this what you're supposed to believe, but if you don't believe it, um, and you want to be in the intelligence class in the media in 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 Hollywood or in in academia, if you don't believe it, you'll be ostracized for it. Um, it it's 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 kind of like throws back to the French Revolution with 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 uh, you know eventually Robespierre ends up getting the guillotine, and and a lot of these progressives who sat there and were activists, um, you know, the Amy Schumer's of the world, end up getting getting eaten by their own it's kind of it's it's a little sick to actually watch yeah and we we've been seeing this more and more and i believe that you know it's really sad to watch and it's also sad to watch people that i know are good people i have i have friends that are on the left um i didn't you know the the friends that i lost when i became a conservative those were you know that was their decision it's whatever but i've managed to keep a couple friends on the left and the toughest thing to watch about the ways in which they comport themselves and they conduct themselves when they're having conversation is that there's so much that they are afraid to say. 
They are so much that they are just terrified to say because if they speak up and if they say this, then they are afraid that they will get ostracized just like those mean uh, conservatives, just like those mean Republicans. So people like me, when I get excommunicated from a friend group or there are people that were that literally just will not even look at me when I walk down the street in New York City, people that I'd known for years and everybody, they sort of live in this fear that that will happen to them. And this is that fear that comes from the elites that push this stuff in the media. This is the fear that comes from, uh, you know, the, the progressives on the left. Uh, to put a button on this media thing uh, before we before we talk about, you know, how parents can actually get involved, I have to say, and I have to be honest and I have to be a little bit op- optimistic, I see the tide slowly starting to change um, about this stuff. I see people starting to become tired of being told what they can or cannot say or what they can or cannot think. Um, the very far left stuff um, I-, I see is, I don't know. I just, I hope it's coming kind of going out of vogue. But anyway, we know that it is all in the public school system. We know that they are trying to get the tentacles of critical race theory, as you've said, um, in every public school system in the country. Um, there is a way that parents can get involved, and I want to have you talk about that and your pack right after the break. So as we've seen during all of these viral videos that have been, you know, all across the internet, all of this stuff, parents and, and, and regular citizens and regular people of all races are standing up against critical race theory. They are going to school boards. In some cases, they are flipping school boards. Um, they are getting involved because they realize um, how dangerous this is. So uh, there are other successes like the Florida Board of Education approving new academic standards opposing critical race theory and Texas Governor Greg Abbott banning critical race theory. Do you think that this fight uh, against critical race theory is at the national state level? Do you think that this is something that should be sort of um, that that should be controlled at the national or state level? Or do you think that it should be focused on the local level with, you know, taking it to these school boards? I think that. I think that which 100% should be banned at the state level. I think that what the state governors and state legislatures are doing is very important. However, it is not enough because a problem with a lot of these laws is they have no punishment. So the new law signed in Texas, there's one in Oklahoma, one in Idaho. Um, I think Florida's was an executive order, but um, these laws don't have any punishment. So if a teacher continues to teach critical race theory, uh, or intersectionality, their punishment is nothing. It's like not getting out tickets for jaywalking or littering. If that's the rule, then people just will continue to do it. Um, I think you need to take over the school boards, um, and there needs to be more of an aggressive push by the governors as far as reforming education. Uh, I think that one, education is, I give liberals credit in this comment, education is too Western focus. We should be learning more about what happened to other cultures and other countries because, and not just Europe and talking the rest of the world, because it's important to also know how horrible in many of these places were before um, before Americans got there. Like, you know, a lot of time I, I reference this point all the time, Media Matters wrote me up. But before, you know, the white man got to America, it wasn't the Disney's version of Pocahontas where everyone was having a Woodstock festival singing to trees. It was a very brutal 
place. Um, uh, you, you know, parts of Africa and Asia and the Indian subcontinent and, and Native and, and, and Aboriginal Australia and even, and yes, Europe. I mean, we learn about the horrors of Europe and the horrors of, what, of the Western civilization with slavery, the witch trials, the Black Plague, the Inquisition. We've learned about all those things. We don't learn about what happens on other continents and other cultures that are similar because what happens is what teachers try to prescribe to children is that all of these terrible things, well, these are Western problems, these are American problems, these are liberal problems, when in fact, they're problems that are, system, sim, sim, that are sim, symptomatic in the human race. Humans as a whole can be pretty horrible to one another throughout history. That's the lesson of history. And I think that also we need to create better narratives. It's not just about learning about certain dates and, and names uh, uh, in time. It's about learning the trajectory of who we are as a people and who we are as a country. And that is very, very important. We are not made from, as as former, as, as current North Carolinian uh, Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson said, we are not made from weak stock. And I think that that is something that they need to, to grapple with. So that's why I created the 1776 Project PAC um, is to take over school boards, to win school board elections. School boards have an enormous amount of power from everything from hiring superintendents to buying textbooks to creating budgets to pushing back against teachers who make people read, um, you know, uh, cr uh, critical race theory influenced books like uh, White Fragility. All of those things are incredibly, incredibly important, and that's why I hope to continue what we've already started seeing, which is conservative and conservative groups taking over school board elections across the country. This is fantastic. So are the teachers unions or the schools upset about the creation of your PAC, and, and what have their reactions been to you into this? Yeah, the New York Times wrote up this entire piece uh, that included my pack where historians said um, something to the effect of this was a, uh, they said about the creation of my pack was like a, a grenade being thrown and, 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 uh, and they're going, and I'm going to start instituting political, uh, political, politically oriented uh, visions of history. What conservatives need to understand very explicitly that I don't think some of them do. Public schools are always been political. They are part of the state. They are state financed. They are state sponsored. What we teach in school, we can't obviously teach everything that ever happened in school. So we pick and choose, and those are oftentimes political choices. I want to choose to sit there and make sure that children know the greatness of our country, the greatness of our founding. And I, and in a country that is increasingly more and more diverse, we need a national narrative that if you are a child who is black, white, or regardless of your race, that a man like George Washington is your founding father. And also, but your 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 heritage includes that of Frederick Douglass, includes that of Abraham Lincoln, includes that of great people of many different races and many different times. Um, and they are all our united founding. And it does, and yes, they look different than us. You know, I, I am of Italian and Polish ancestry. I don't have any blood that shared with the founding fathers. Yet, I even though they don't have my skin tone exactly, they are still my founding fathers. I think that unified form of, of, of bringing people together around our common nationality is essentially important. And that's what I would like to emphasize. You know, it's really important. And the thing about it is, I, I feel like this is why there's so many people on the left that are that are so against that. Uh, you know, 
the left and Democrats and all that, they want to slice and dice Americans into smaller and smaller and smaller groups. They want to slice and dice them by religion, by race, by sexual orientation, by whatever. And they think that this, if they slice and dice these people into enough small groups, then this is a quote unquote coalition that's good enough for them to win elections. But they are doing this by sort of destroying the idea of America and, tr- and sort of trying to, you know, make these people hate the idea of America and all that stuff. And that is very bad for our country. There, I don't believe that conservatives or Republicans or anybody sits around and that they are just terrified that America is starting to become more black or more brown or more diverse or whatever. I think that people are afraid that we are losing a, a sense of civic pride and patriotism in our country. Because if you do not have a sense of togetherness in a country, that country will fall. And, you know, if you if you ask me, they're trying to to push this country into socialism and communism, which is exactly what this is all about. So I want to ask you, if somebody wants to run for school board opposing critical race theory, how can they get involved with your PAC? Go on 1776projectpack.com, P-A-C, pack.com, and uh, and sign up, and you can get our newsletter, which is, will be coming out in the next few weeks about critical race theory in schools. You can uh, you can email us, tell us where you're running for school board and when. You could donate to us. We have over 1,700 donors, and we raised over $140,000 in under a month. Um, and get involved, and I'm trying to keep up. It's, you know, it's, a, it's really a grassroots production. It's basically me and my my dog on my bed every day trying to answer emails and keep up with everything. But uh, we'll be announcing very quickly the 10 states we're looking at for this 2021 election in November. And hopefully by September, I'll be listing some endorsements and which candidates I plan on supporting across the country. And it's very, very exciting. Uh, this is very exciting. And what I love uh, about talking to you, number one, you're one of the so g- people. Ryan is the one of the smartest people that is in this entire field. There's a lot of people that run their mouths about a lot of things that they really don't know about. Ryan is not one of these people. He's highly intelligent. And I appreciate the fact that you're actually out there in the fight doing something uh, about it. Very nice of you. I, I don't know how true that is, but it's very nice of you. <laughs> no, it's actually true. I say this all the time, Ryan. I say this all I say this all the time. You're like one the smartest people that I know. Um, and so I want to ask you one final question. Where do you think this goes? Like if if your pack isn't successful or, or if we continue to let CRT take a hold of the school system and, and we let the left win on this, what happens? What are the consequences for this country? What are the consequences uh, for schools? What are the consequences for um, our sense of, of American unity? I think that I, I really think that it's over. I mean, I genuinely do believe that it's over and and they will start pushing. And we saw this with Joe Biden's administration where they were pay, where they were trying to give, uh, you know, non-white farmers more money than white farmers for for uh, for funding. And, 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 uh, and it, I think it will go just beyond, you know, uh, just the basic race. And, and, and uh, I think it will go after capitalism. I think it will go after science and math. I think, you know, what happens when we sit there and say, no, children who can barely do math can sit there and go become a medical doctor. I think, I mean, yes, that sounds fictitious, but we really don't know where this goes. I think the one thing I'm very hopeful for is that, look, school boards are very, very cheap to run in. These are not multi-million dollar races. Some of them are just a few thousand dollars. And luckily, I mean, 
maybe not luckily, but luckily for us, they're very rarely, people very rarely vote on school boards. If I can just energize 10% of the conservative base to get involved and vote, we can flip school boards in some of the bluest areas. Just last month, in lower Manhattan, in midtown Manhattan, Asian and white parents Kick, um, who are quote-unquote moderate, but by left-wing standards, they're conservative, but they're moderates. They just don't like critical race theory. They unseated seven of eight school board members in midtown Manhattan. I think this is capable of happening anywhere. Um, I just don't, you know, when you have people of diverse backgrounds sitting there saying, this is crazy, I really think there's a big coalition of people and we can start taking this over. And then the next step is how do we rebrand education? Because I don't want it to just go back to the way it was. We don't really love the way it was beforehand. But I want to be able to sit there and incorporate a level of patriotism in and, and understanding the basic facts of this country to children so they grow up really loving it, regardless of their economic, racial, religious, or, or immigrant background. I think that that is the only way we move forward as a country. I think you're absolutely right. And, you know, this country and America and all of this stuff is worth fighting for. And thank you for for bringing your intelligence and, and your drive and all of that stuff into this fight. Before we go, I want to thank my fellow Problematics so much for listening. If you're enjoying the show, please leave us a review and rate us with five stars on Apple Podcasts. You can also find me on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Rob Smith Online. Special thanks to our producer, John Cassio, researcher Aaron Kliegman, and executive producers, Debbie Myers and speaker Newt Gingrich, part of the Gingrich 360 Network. <laughs>